You're listening to the DB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is Matt Breckwald, your host, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, everybody, we are having an unprecedented winter here in Oregon and Idaho, and it has just been unimaginable all the snow and the bitter cold temperatures that we've experienced this winter and you know when that's going on it really makes you think about the animals that you're trying to take care of on your home place so today's episode we are going to devote to taking care of livestock on our home places during these extreme winter conditions Everybody, before we start our interview, I want to let you know that at the end of this first interview, we have bonus content for you today, where we're going to be talking to one of our D&B supply specialists about taking care of your horses, specifically in cold weather. So if you have horses or you are just interested in what's out there to help take care of those horses when we're having a winter like this, make sure you stick around for our bonus content right at the end. All right, everybody, we've got a great interview coming up for you right after a word from our sponsors. Some clothes are just clothes, and some clothes, like Carhartt, are legendary. Those legendary ones you can find at D&B Supply. Hamilton Carhartt started sweating the details back in 1889. Carhartt started to stitch together workwear made to stand up to steel, smoke, and the Industrial Revolution. Ever since, Carhartt gear has survived in the most rugged corners of the world and thrived in the harshest conditions at work or home. In 1959, a couple of fellas named Dutch and Bud set up their first supply shop in Idaho to outfit people in the West with only the best. That includes Carhartt, famous for iconic gear like the chore coat and double front pants. When you need the stuff of legends, even just to make it through the workday, stop in for some Carhartt at your favorite D&B supply. Are you a new or current cat owner looking for a solution to the litter box that will keep everyone in the house happy? Purina Tidy Cats knows how to keep all those feline bathroom habits in a neat and tidy box with a wide range of litter options available at D&B Supply. Since the invention of clay-based litter in 1964, Tidy Cats has been the leading brand trusted by millions of kitty keepers. Today, they're still changing the litter game with new innovations like lightweight litter and advanced odor control technology. And because all cats have a unique personality, some more than just one, Tidy Cat offers scoopable, non-clumping litter choices to make them all happy. Tidy Cats is quick and easy to clean. It's even easy on the nose. When you need the full scoop for your feline furballs, stop on by your favorite DNB supply and pick up a bag or bucket of Tidy Cats. Joining us now is Dave Ferris, a retail account representative for Cargill. He specializes in equine nutrition poultry nutrition, 4-H, and FFA animal nutrition and management. You've got a lot of experience, Dave, involved in ag-related activities your whole life, rodeo, team roping, 4-H growing up, raised pigs and sheep and cattle and horses, chickens, dogs, cats, everything. Thank you so much for joining us today on the DNB Supply Show. Yeah, thanks, Matt. It's great to be with you today. Well, I'm looking forward to this interview. You know, we're so lucky to have people like you in our community that can really help us out and 
and that we're able to go ahead and bring this information to our listeners. So really looking forward to speaking with you. And and today, you know, what we're going to be getting into is talking about raising livestock, both from a nutrition standpoint and a warmth standpoint and all of that during these cold temperatures. But before we do that, what I would like to ask you is just a little bit about yourself and really specifically what led you to working for Cargill. Absolutely. I uh, have spent my entire life in one fashion or another dealing with ag-related, uh, the ag-related industry. So as, as you read earlier, you know, when I was a kid, I did 4-H and, and of course the rodeo and team roping thing is kind of a <clears throat> something you're you're kind of born into, had a sister who was a barrel racer, a mother who was a, a rodeo queen way back when, and uh, have been in it my whole life. And as I got older and became an adult and, and went into the workforce, I started out as a school teacher, but my real passion always laid more in the ag field, although I really did enjoy the educational portion of that, the teaching and the, the interacting. So when when the opportunity arose, I took a a position with a, another ag-related company here locally in the Treasure Valley. Worked for them for about five years, as a teacher for about five years, and then I went into to working for this other company here locally for about five years. And I was managing the kind of the the animal health uh, or feed division for mm-hmm. that company, and was mostly in the retail side, you know, se- uh, selling the products, uh, farm store management. But I started realizing that I was getting a lot of questions, you know, on product function or or what an animal, for example, might need and how one of the products we were selling might actually benefit. And I realized that I needed more education when it came to nutrition. That kind of led me to Cargill, whose number one focus is really on the animal which we like to say helping the animals reach their genetic potential, whatever that is, whether it be a team rope and steer or, you know, the highest quality PBR level bucking bull. Mm-hmm. It's all about genetic, genetic potential and the right nutrition. So I went to Cargill and got into this retail account representative role because Cargill offers a lot. That's, not, that's an understatement. Nonstop ongoing education on nutrition. And I really really enjoy that about Cargill. It's not just about selling a product. It's really about the animal and getting the animal what they need so that they can reach their genetic potential. Sure. How interesting. Now, we there's so much so much that you've done here with Cargill, but there's so many other interesting things too. So you spent five years as a teacher in the classroom. Were you teaching agriculture? I was not, actually, believe it or not. Uh, I was an English slash reading teacher. I don't know. I guess I was born in, into really enjoying that. I, I've been a, a voracious reader uh-huh. since I learned to read. That was always kind of a passion of mine, you know, English, writing, reading. That's what I did for a while, and I did not leave that portion of myself behind. I, you know, still read every single day. It's just sure. I'm reading different things, right? <laughs> right. It's interesting. A lot of people assume that, and when I was learning uh, to be a teacher, I never even really thought about being an ag teacher, which is interesting at the same time so yeah that is funny but obviously you were called back to ag because uh, yeah you found your way back yes how interesting and then your mom was a rodeo queen was that here in idaho or in oregon or, or? it was yep no it was here in idaho i grew up in uh, lewiston idaho up, up uh, a little farther north uh-huh. and uh, she was the queen of the lewiston roundup and then my grandfather was a team roper one of my sisters was a barrel racer 
her husband's a calf roper, basically team roping, rodeo, animals in general. It's just kind of part of my DNA. Very fun. Well, now when we yeah. were when we were talking off the air, you you brought up the fact that uh, now working for Cargill in this retail account representative position, you get to use that experience from the classroom because you're doing so much teaching and learning yourselves, reading reading up on nutrition and things like that, and and teaching other people how to help their customers with uh, the different products that you represent through Cargill, and sometimes even products that you don't represent if there's a better fit. Sure. Absolutely. So that's my favorite part, right? So I love agriculture, love animals, and I enjoy teaching. So I get to put all of those together in multiple ways, starting with, you know, the store employees, making sure that they understand what the product is, what its function is, and then really how that product benefits the animals. And then I like to to help them learn the best way in talking to their customers or, or on my end, I would call them a consumer Mm -hmm. um, to find out what the animal that the consumer is talking about really needs. And then we can lead them to the right product. But I also get to go direct to consumers. Obviously when I'm in the store, I love getting a chance to talk to consumers and helping them out. But we put on a lot of events with DNB. We, we do things we call chicken chats coming up in the spring during chick days Mm -hmm. where I basically do a whole, you know, kind of a, a lifespan of the chicken, what the people can expect, you know, from the day they buy their chick, you know, up to when it's laying eggs or if they're buying uh, meat birds or ducks or geese, you know, and how best to get them through the summer, through the winter. Same thing with 4-H kids. We have 4-H meetings because there are some different requirements on 4-H kids and their animals than, say, just a backyard pet goat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have horse sense events for, you know, anywhere from the 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 backyard horse that the owner that has one horse that, that we call a pasture ornament all the way up to somebody like, you know, that's a, that's a high end performer. You know, we can cover all uh, the spectrum of those things. And I really enjoy getting to, to interact with people and help them help their animal reach its genetic potential based on what they want. Not everybody wants the same thing, sure. right? Somebody that has the backyard one horse might go trail riding once a week versus somebody who's, you know, a competitive cutter or something like that. Their horses have very different requirements. So it's really, really fun and and involves everything that I enjoy, the teaching and the agriculture and helping animals and people. Great. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to tease this really quick. So don't, don't answer this question yet. You think about this over the break, but we are in the midst of one of the coldest and, and snowiest winters our region has seen in a long, long time. So when we come back from this break, Dave, what I'd like to do is start talking to you about how we can take care of our animals during those cold temperatures. That'd be all right. That sounds great. We'll see you on the other side. Okay. I'll take a quick break. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat, available at D&B Supply. Founded on the belief that riders are athletes, Ariat combines technology and engineering with the goal of making the highest quality footwear and apparel riders will ever put on. Every stitch of Ariat gear is made to last and looks timelessly in style to boot. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop on by your favorite D&B supply. Western homes and family. 
There's a price you pay to get away To live outside the bounds When you love your dogs and cats like members of the family, you feed them like family too. Dish out the best nutrition for your furry little friends with Blue Pet Food, available at D&B Supply. Made with high-quality natural ingredients, plus life source bits with active nutrients and antioxidants, Blue starts every dog and cat food recipe with real meat, then adds in garden vegetables and antioxidant-rich fruit. Blue Pet Food does not contain artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. Plus, there's never any corn, wheat, or soy, and no chicken or poultry byproduct meals. All this care goes into every pet food bag, so your cats and dogs live happy, healthy lives. For every four-legged member of your family, stop on by D&B Supply for Blue Pet Food. The choice is D&B. All right, Dave. Well, now that we're back, I want to ask you about taking care of our animals when we're having all this snow and all these cold temperatures that we've been having this winter. I guess really what I'd like to start out with is why is it so important to keep your animals warm during the winter when the temperatures are like this? Absolutely. Well, just like everybody else out there right now, I'm having the the same issues. You know, I have the chickens and the horses and the, the dogs here at the place. And along with myself, I don't think any of us are enjoying this I think it's something like nine degrees where I'm at yet at the moment at my house, <laughs> right. but uh, and, a, and a couple feet of snow. So obviously, there's kind of an obvious answer there. Keeping them warm in its simplest terms keeps them alive, right? Right. But animals are different than us. They don't necessarily need the 70 degrees in the house and the and the extra layers of you know coats and clothing and socks and you know all the things that we put on to stay warm. When I go out to my chickens, I bundle up and look like the uh, the abominable snowman walking across out there, but the animals don't need that. They, they keep themselves warm in a very different way than we do there. You know, I don't, I don't know if, if this is a coming question or if I'm jumping the gun going into that, but it's really important. This is where the nutrition side of things really comes in for your animal. Okay. So with these temperatures and not just the temperature, but the actual weather. And what I mean by that is, you know, the amount of snow, there's different b- difference between being cold and then being cold and wet, right? Right. The animals stay warm through nutrition, pretty simply put. So if you think of a horse or a chicken, they use their energy mm-hmm. um, or, or sometimes to make it simple, you know, I call it their furnace. Just like we use a furnace to keep the house warm. When, when we need to get the house warmer, we turn the furnace up and it uses more energy. Animals don't have that luxury. They have their own internal furnace and that is fueled Mm -hmm. through nutrition. So they use up calories and energy to keep themselves warm. So if they don't have enough food or enough quality food, they, they, you know, the first thing that happens is they're, they're burning calories that they don't have Mm -hmm. to stay warm so that they'll lose weight. That's why a lot of people notice in the spring when they pull up a winter blanket off their horse, they look at their horse and say, Oh no, he didn't, they, he didn't winter very well. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty common statement. Now, that means the horse basically lost body condition, lost a lot of weight. When we, when, when we turn up the furnace in the house, the, the, the animals need to turn their furnace up outside. And so we need to supply a lot of high-quality calories for them to burn in order to stay warm. So a horse is just fine in this weather outside if he has a couple things. A, access to, to fresh water that's not frozen solid the tank heaters or stock tank heaters, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. to keep their water from freezing because they they still need a lot of water. Um, and they don't like it when it's right at freezing. So, you know, you go out and just break the ice. They don't enjoy water that cold. 
So we need to keep it a little warmer than that for sure and keep it from freezing. Secondly, for your horses, but for all your animals, right? So rather than talking specific, you know, hay or grain, for all your animals, fresh water, some ability to get out of the element. What I mean by that is they don't need a nice enclosed stall with a space heater in there. I actually think that does more damage because it's more shocking to them when they go outside. They just need a way to get out of the wind. That's a big, all your animals, your horses, your cattle, your chickens, they need to be able to get out of the wind and, you know, out of, out from the rain, just, you know, so that it's not just pounding on them, but that even that can be overcome with, with plenty of nutrition. So a good, a good tree stand will, will give them protection that they need, or just some sort of a lean to uh, type of shelter to get out of the, the elements in some fashion. And mm-hmm. then all of the high quality feed, basically, depending on the animal that you have, that they can get as much as they want, I guess, is a better statement because we don't know how much they're going to need. So when I feed my chickens this time of year, I don't just feed them what I was feeding them all year. I try to keep their feeder full of feed because I've noticed that they actually are emptying it out much more often than they did in the fall. Sure. Right. Their their energy requirements are a lot higher. So I try to give them uh, that, that term we call free choice so that they can eat as much as they need to keep themselves going. And it can be the coldest day when it was minus 15 last week or whenever that was. And I went out to my chickens. They were, you know, walking around in there, pecking, clucking, looking at me, wondering right. if I was going to bring them anything fun to do. They were totally fine in that minus 15 because okay. um, they had all the food, water, and they could get out of the elements if they chose to. Okay. Now, this brings up a good question. So, and I've got listed here in my notes, uh, you know, cattle, horses, goats, and pigs. And I know there's a lot more mm-hmm. animals that, that a lot of us raise out there, but I, I'm selfish. I'm thinking about what we raise at our place. And sure. so with our with our pigs, they're on full feed. They can eat as much as they want. Mm-hmm. With the goats, it's pretty much the same. I know I'm giving them plenty for them to eat, and I can see it in their body condition. What I'm always wondering about is our cattle. And our cattle in our place, they live in the most difficult conditions of any of our animals uh, because they're larger. We've got more of them. So it's more difficult to provide them with that type of shelter that you're talking about. And sure. so we try and we try and compensate for that with the feed. So when you say about when you say giving them as much feed as they want or as much as they need, when it comes to a larger animal like cattle, how do you determine that? Do you do you go based on you know, like studies from extension services that talk about uh, how much to feed animals, how many pounds of hay to give them per day or something like that? Or do you or do you watch the behavior of the animal and try and figure it out that way? What do you recommend? Yeah, that's a great question because you're right um, about cattle in this respect that we're talking being the most difficult to manage for that very reason. Uh, think about the, you know, some of the ranchers in Jordan Valley, for example, that have hundreds of right. head um, of cattle. So, so here's, here's a, the, the simplest answer I can give to that. Yes, there are scientific studies on every animal, basically, how much they should eat. If they're on, you know, air quotes, full feed, two to three, two to 3% of their body weight, for example. So, so I would take both of those things you mentioned into account here. So kind of an idea of roughly, you know, scientifically speaking, how much they should be eating. If I've got a thousand pound cow, this is roughly how much, you know, hay and grain they're getting. And then couple that with also watching the behavior of the animal. So if when you go out there, they're nearly tearing the fence down to get to you and or the feed, or before you get out there, they're making a lot of noise, a lot of mooing, waiting for you to come out type of thing, then maybe they need to be 
you know, have their rations bumped up. Also, body condition is huge. If you notice, most of us know what our animals look like. We look at them every single day. Sometimes, you know, if you catch, catch yourself when you're not thinking specifically and you'll see your horse out there and just all at once or, your, or, or a specific cow and you think, wow, that, that animal has lost body condition. That's, mm-hmm. your, that's a, an immediate answer to, okay, they don't have enough. They're not getting enough calories. So it's kind of a hodgepodge of everything you just brought up, their behavior, some of the science, obviously I, I'm big on the science because we know that it works, you know, to help with, with their genetic potential. But most important thing you can do at your house is gauge behavior and body condition. Okay. And you brought up an interesting point that, uh, with like with our cattle, we're on a smaller farm, and so we're we're right there with them every day, and it, probably easier for us to be able to watch and and see how they're responding. What we do is we use a lot of straw bedding for our cattle as well to mm-hmm. give them something mm-hmm. to lay on. Now, how much is that? How much is that necessary in terms of uh, helping them keep that condition and and impacting the amount of feed that's needed to keep them warm? Well, that's, that's a good question because basically it's pretty simple, right? So if, if you have the ability, or I guess let's put it this way, if the animal has the option getting into a corner somewhere where there's a nice tree stand that breaks the, the, uh, the wind and, and snow up a little bit mm-hmm. and there's straw bedding that they can lay on, that'll help them keep their body heat a little better. If they're just out on some you know, frozen tundra where the wind's blowing and it's two feet deep in snow, it takes them more energy to stay warm. Therefore, they need more calories to provide that energy. So that's where someone like me, a company like Cargill, and the education that we do with the store employees at D&B really comes in handy. Since I can't talk to every person that walks in the door, we really like to have the, the D&B employees be an extension of my knowledge. And for me to be available to them, I get phone calls all day, every day from store employees going, hey, I'm standing here with a guy. Right. He's got this question. What do you, you know, what should I say? Excellent. So- I'll either give them an answer or sometimes they'll just put me right on the phone with the consumer. Um, you know, and that's great. That's what I love most about my job. Oh, perfect. Well, that's great. And it's so great you can be here so we can have this conversation with a large number of people who might be listening to the to the radio show or our podcast version. And I'll tell you what, we're going to take another quick break. But when we come back and, and you think about this, let's talk about calving season uh, and people starting calving in these temperatures and these conditions. Okay, great. During calving season, your livestock operation really comes alive. On your ranch, be born ready with Powder River Livestock Handling Equipment, available at D&B Supply. For almost 80 years, Powder River has stood out as leaders in the livestock handling field with continuous equipment innovation to help ranchers work up close with their livestock safely and with minimal stress. When it's close to calving season, be prepared and check out the Powder River Homesteader Calving Deluxe Pin at D&B. An excellent multi-purpose health pin, this safe enclosure is optimally designed for calving and doctoring with a sweep gate, a bow gate, and a self-catching head gate to open up incredible access and control for calving assistance. To bring your calves into the world, then bring them upright, stop on by select D&B supply stores for Powder River Livestock Handling Equipment. The choice is D&B. There's a price you pay to get away, to live outside the bounds. 
There's only one thing that comes between you and your horse, your tack. When you need to ride with trust, loyalty, honesty, and high-performing gear, ride the brand with Weaver Leather, available at D&B Supply. For work, trail, and competition, Weaver Leather handcrafts original designs with the horse person in mind. Weaver Leather also makes leather, nylon, and hardware products for livestock, pets, arborists, and more, all backed by a 100% perfect satisfaction guarantee. Handcrafted in the USA for over 40 years, you'll find innovative design, skilled craftsmanship, keen attention to detail, and only the finest materials in every Weaver Leather product. From January to March at DB Supply, save $5 off any Weaver Leather Headstall, Smart Cinch, Airflex Cinch, or Weaver Leather Livestock Show Halter. To ride tall in the saddle, stop on by DB Supply for Weaver Leather. All right. Well, thanks for sticking with us through that break, everybody. And, and Dave, I want to jump into talking about calving. So, you know, there are a lot of people that start calving this type of year, and certainly if not, not in January and February. And so, what advice or, or what what uh, you know? What can people do uh, to keep body condition up, to keep the calves alive, to uh, get the calves off to a good start when we're having kind of an unprecedented winter like this? Yeah, it's tough. I'm not going to lie. the 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 calving season is really hard uh, on the ranchers physically and probably emotionally. Also, they they don't get a whole lot of sleep um, that that time of year anyway. They're watching the cows. They, they know the signs that she's getting ready to calve um, and all, all of those um, signs that go along with that. So um, they are the ones that are going to be probably the hardest hit, right, in this kind of weather because mm-hmm. the calves are going to hit the ground in, I mean, who knows, if they're doing it right now uh, or, or, or what it might be like in, in a month if they're, if they're doing it, you know, in February. But they're hitting the ground in snow, uh, below freezing temperatures. And so the, the, the most important thing they can do is make sure that their, that their mother cows have plenty of feed leading up to it, right? They're going to use a lot more calories, especially right at the end of gestation, obviously, because the, the calf is taking a lot from her. But then after birth, the mother has to prov- be able to provide plenty of milk. Right. So she's going to need a lot of protein and a lot of calories um, so that the calf can get up on its feet and nursing and start getting its strength right away. So obviously, you know, in a perfect world, in a, and this is just a perfect world scenario, but if they could be, you know, out of the direct wind and rain when they calve, that's going to be the best situation, right? So that um, the calf, because he, he's going to be wet, right, and cold when he comes out. So mm-hmm. the, the more protection we can offer in that respect is great. If you have a few cows at home and have the ability for them to get you know, in a barn or at least in a stall or something, that's going to be even better and just give that calf a chance until he gets on his feet and he gets nursing. They're very hardy animals. Remember, these animals, horses, um, chickens, goats, sheep, pigs, they're outdoor animals. They don't need to be in the house. They don't need, you know, the the heat directly on them, Mm -hmm. but they do need a little help from us. Um, So that's, that's where the making sure that nutritionally they're taken care of, but that they can get out of those elements quick enough or long enough for that calf to get on its feet and start nursing. Once he does that, he's going to likely be okay. Um, he can handle it. Um, she's, the mom knows very well how to take care of her calf. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is, but, but yeah, it, it, it's a long calving season for, for, uh, ranchers. And then you add these kind of elements and it's even worse because every lost calf or, or, you know, it, it is a lot of money out of their pocket. So 
they're going to be trying really hard. They're going to make sure that they have uh, plenty of forage protein tubs out for those cows um, so that she can get that calf nursing right away. Yeah, you're right. And you know what you're saying about the ranchers is so true as well. Um, for for people who are not familiar with uh, how ranching takes place out here in the West, when it's calving season, and especially if a rancher has uh, a lot of heifers that are going to calve who have never had a calf before, they're, mm-hmm. they're up, you know, they're up, they'll go to sleep for about an hour and a half and they're up and they go check outside in these conditions and then back to bed for an hour, hour and a half and they're up and they check again about every two hours probably with heifers who've never calved before. And of course, with these conditions, that's your sleep's going to be restless. You're not going to get good sleep because you're concerned about that and you're watching those heifers. And then of course, if one looks like it's going to calve that night, you're probably not going back to bed. You're probably staying out there to be there to help if need be. And uh, every time a rancher does lose a calf, they're not just losing, you know, a financial asset, but there's an emotional toll that goes into that too. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. your whole year. That's what you're there for is to take care of those animals and and to manage those animals. And, and you hate to lose one, uh, especially to, to weather and, and things like that that are totally outside of your control. Absolutely. That is absolutely right. And those, those, uh, heifers, as you say, um, which means basically they haven't had a calf yet. Right. Uh, it, it's tough. A lot of times they, you know, they have trouble. And so, yeah, the ranchers are up, um, doing what we call pulling calves, you know, in other words, helping that calf come out. She's having a hard time. Um, and yeah, I mean, you, you, they can lose a calf that way. And, uh, so they're, they're not going to sleep if that's what it takes to make sure. Cause if they've got, you know, a hundred cows, they, they would like to have a hundred calves, That's right. uh, you know, and, and any one lost is hundreds, if not thousands of dollars for sure, thousands of dollars. By the time you put in feed and time and then the sale price, uh, they, they just can't afford to have that happen. So yeah, this is stressful anyway. And then added these kind of winter conditions and it's just increases the stress exponentially. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, we're going to talk and, and we'll, we'll keep going forward here, but I want to ask you about some equipment and things like that as, as we go forward. And specifically, I'm going to want to ask you about uh, keeping water from freezing and, and what equipment that you recommend. So Dave, I want to ask first, when it comes to keeping water from freezing, uh, we have situations both where electricity is available and then we have situations where electricity is not available. Can you talk about uh, keeping water from freezing under both of those circumstances? Absolutely. Obviously, with, with electricity available, is much easier for you. Um, I use the, uh, you know, a, 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 some people refer to it as a stock tank de-icer. I've always called it a tank heater. But whatever you call it, plug it into electricity. Uh, there's floating ones and sinking ones. Idea being, it keeps the water above freezing temperature, right? Therefore, the animal can get a drink whenever it, it wants. Mm-hmm. That is obviously the easiest and nicest because you don't have to sweat it you know, at night when you're asleep and it's the coldest, but there are some, some old, you know, I'll call it an old rancher trick that, that people use that, that are effective. So one thing that a lot of people do when they don't have electricity available is put, for example, you take a, you know, a gallon milk jug or something like that and, and fill it with salt water because salt water has a much lower freezing temperature. Mm -hmm. So they put those and have them floating in their, in their, stock tank. Let's say you've got a couple hundred gallon stock tank. They have, you know, a handful of those floating around. What happens is the ice 
as, as it, you know, gets really cold and the water starts to freeze, it doesn't freeze as solidly right up against that jug because it's got ice water in it, or excuse me, salt water in it. Mm -hmm. So the animals learn that they can walk over when they want water and push on that jug with their nose and the ice breaks very easily and they have access to water right there. That's a really handy, very old school way of, of letting the animals have water when there's no electricity available. That's really possibly about the only way I know of that, that works. And of course that's not going to be completely foolproof, right? I mean, it, it's going to get so cold in, at some point and in some places that even that's not going to work. I remember my grandfather when I was a little kid getting up, you know, when he would feed, he would go out and break the ice. And then before he'd go to bed, he'd go out and break the ice and get up once in the middle of the night and go out and break the ice just to make sure that the animals always had a shot at fresh water or a drink of water maybe is a better way to put that when they need it. Because the first thing that happens when they can't get water, they naturally stop eating because they, their uh, survival instinct kicks in and they know that they, you know, they need water in order to continue digestion. So they, they back off feed. And that's terrible in the winter when they need those calories. Sure. Sure. Well, I'll tell you what, Dave, let's take one more break and come back and continue talking about how to deal with these freezing temperatures. Sounds great. Did you know that a horse's top line plays an important role in how that horse performs, looks, and feels? That's why Neutrina offers top line balance in select horse feeds, available at DB Supply. While saddle fit, genetics, and exercise are most frequently blamed for a poor top line, nutrition actually plays the most critical role. Neutrina's top line balance fuels the muscles that support the spine from the neck to the hindquarters to improve performance, motion, and drive. Not all feeds are created equal, and not all feeds can improve a horse's top line. It took years of research and field trials to develop this unique approach to equine health. So look for the Top Line Balance logo on select Neutrina horse feeds. For a healthier top line, stop on by D&B Supply for Top Line Balance from Neutrina. Western homes and families, the choice is D&B. There's a price you pay to get away, to live outside the bounds. They say hay is for horses, but did you know hay can be deficient in vitamin and mineral content? Your horse deserves premium western forage from Stanley, available at DNB Supply. Grown in the rich volcanic soil of Idaho, Stanley produces the highest quality sun-cured western forage products on the market. All natural and nutritious, Stanley Premium Western Forage is baled at the optimum time to make sure your animals take in the maximum dose of vitamins and minerals. Never chemically preserved, Stanley offers a complete line of all-natural premium forage products for equine and other livestock, available in bales, bags, pellets, cubes, and even treats. Stanley Premium Western Forage. It's the breakfast, lunch, and dinner of champions, at least of the equestrian sort. When you've got a real horse in the race or in the barn, stop on by D&B Supply for Stanley Premium Western Forage. All right, Dave. Well, now that we're back from the break, I want to ask you and follow up a little bit with you on the freezing water. So when it comes to the the areas where electricity is available, is there a benefit to going with permanently wired underground electric that, that comes into a waterer that's permanently mounted and will keep it warm that way as opposed to using a tank heater that you drop in and you run an extension cord to? Okay, so for, for horses and cattle 
it, it, yeah, it's great to have those automatic waterers that have the, the water and electricity right there. You know, two things, a, it's not going to freeze and B as they drink it down, it's going to automatically refill. That's great because then you just, it just takes that worry out of your mind about them having water. That's a little bit more expensive to, to buy that, mm-hmm. that type of apparatus and put it in, right? So right. a lot of people don't do that. I don't have those at my home. I would love to have those, but I don't. I have electricity right near there, so I don't have to run extension cords. But I grew up running extension cords. And yeah, it can be a bit of a pain, right? The, the further you run the electricity out there, the, you know, the farther away from it you are. I guess, you know, I'm not an electrician, but my experience was, that the power, so to speak, gets a little weaker, mm-hmm. uh, the more cords you run. So yeah, it can freeze a little bit easier. You've got cords on the ground, you know, who knows? It could get chewed on, whatever could happen to it. But still, it's much a much better option than not having that in there at all and having to continually break the ice because you're obviously going to not be out there constantly. So there's going to be a time when the animal wants water and it's frozen. Right. And then, as we said earlier, even when you break the ice, the animals are more reluctant to drink that water that's essentially right at freezing temperature. They're just going to, I guess we would say, drink enough to, to stay alive, keep themselves going, but they're not going to ingest larger amounts of it like we would like them to. Mm-hmm. Okay. They have, a, they have a preference, you know, for, a, for a, a degree, so to speak, or a temperature of their water, you know, and in the 40s or above, um, it's definitely where they like it. For okay. sure. Well, once it gets down close to freezing, they just don't like to ingest it when it's that cold. Okay. Well, it probably lowers their core temperature a little bit, and then it's harder for them to, to maintain that temperature, I would assume, if the water's that cold. Sure, absolutely. Unlike us, you know, uh, we like to get ice water when it's nice and hot outside. They don't, they don't want ice water when it's hot outside either. Room temperature is great, and they'll ingest a lot more. Well, this has been great. I cannot say thank you enough for coming on and sharing all of this great information. Now, I want to ask you if somebody out there listening would like to contact you with further questions. Maybe there's something I you know, just failed to bring up during the interview or something like that. Is it best for them to go through uh, a representative like a D&B or somewhere like that, or is it best to contact you directly? The DNB stores, if you go into them, for example, they're going to have my name and number, uh, and they, they can give it to you that way. Well, that'll work fine. So why don't we do this? If somebody does want to get in contact with you, if there's a question that we haven't answered for them here, uh, they can they can reach out to somebody at DNB, uh, and if they don't get their question answered there, they can certainly be referred right over to you. Would that work? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Really appreciate all of your time and, man, all of this great information. You bet. I really enjoyed it, Matt, and I uh, hope we get to do it again maybe in the spring. All right. Well, I'd, I would really enjoy that as well. Thank you, Dave. You bet. Thanks, Matt. Well, everybody, joining us now is Roger Todd. He is the tack buyer for DNB Supply, and we're just so lucky to have all these different resources and expertise available to us that I wanted to have him on the show for a moment to talk about horses specifically. Now, Roger has been on horseback since he was five, everything from pleasure riding, hunting, reining and showing, all the way up to team roping, and now he is serving on the Snake River Stampede Rodeo Board. So I thought we would just take this opportunity to tap into his expertise and talk about how to manage your horses and take care of your horses in these winter conditions. So, Roger, thank you very much for coming on and doing this. 
That's great. Love love being here and having the opportunity to help our customers. Well, good. And I'm happy to have you on the show. Now, I, I guess we'll just jump right in. I wanted to ask you, so what are some products, some items that consumers might consider using to help their horses out over the winter when we're having these, you know, these bitter cold conditions and all the snow we've been having this year? Well, you can start with their feet. If you are wearing, having horseshoes on your horses in the snow, um, they will build up uh, snowballs because of the shoes, Mm -hmm. uh, collect the snow. And one thing you can do is put on a no snow pad that goes between the uh, horseshoe and the hoof, and it keeps the snow from building up on their feet, or you can pull your shoes and go barefoot, and that'll help them tremendously with the uh, snow not building up under their feet. The other thing that is really important is, uh, again, their feed program and making sure that they have a very good water source that is at a temperature that is not where you just broke ice and and is freezing cold. The other things that we do offer is uh, winter horse blankets, and then if you are riding in the winter and you get a, a good sweat on them, you can buy a fleece blanket that wicks away the moisture. Mm-hmm. That'll help dry them out. So that way, uh, during transport, if you've rode them at a barn, you can put a fleece blanket on them, and it pretty much wicks all the moisture off of them, and then when you turn them back out, they'll be dry. Okay. Very good. And when we were talking off air, you had mentioned a condition, and I forgot the term already, that they can get when they're, when they're wet underneath a blanket. It's not very common in our area, but you can get rain rot. It's more common over in Portland area on the I-5 corridor. Usually over there, they will have sheets instead of blankets, but they'll have uh, three or four. They'll have one being washed while one is drying and while one's on the horse. If a horse stays wet continuously and and doesn't get a chance to dry out, they can get, it's called rain rot, and it's pretty bad. Uh, They will uh, lose all their hair and it's difficult to treat and it's painful to the horse. Okay. Yeah. So definitely, you know, I'm sure the purpose of putting a blanket on a horse is to try and keep them more comfortable and take care of them in these cold conditions. Nobody wants that to turn into an actual problem for them. You want to make sure that you're always using a waterproof, breathable blanket and that it is Staying waterproof, you know, fabrics tend to, in time, lose some of their effectiveness in being waterproof. And uh, so it's really good to check under your horse's blanket from time to time and and make sure that they are staying dry and and that they are in good shape and and that they haven't lost any weight or make sure that they're still looking as you would want them to look. Sure. And how are your horses faring this winter? Um, great. So far, knock on wood, they're horses and uh, seems like they're on a suicide mission from the time they're born, but ours are doing really well. Um, uh, this is probably the first winter in many where we haven't continued riding, but uh, a lot of people do. You know, during those times, uh, we do blanket if we're riding a lot in the winter and uh, just keeps them from being quite as haired up and it keeps them from sweating up quite as bad when you're riding them. Mm-hmm. When we're riding them in the winter, of course, we're pulling that blanket off uh, fairly often so we can make sure that they are doing well and looking good as we pull the blanket off and ride them. Sure. And 
you were telling me that there is some controversy or I guess some people who don't necessarily believe in the use of horse blankets. And I wanted to ask, you know, obviously at DNB we're going to sell these products. So, you know, what is our what is our position on that or or are we trying to serve people who believe in the use of blankets as well as people who don't? I mean, how do we how do we handle that at DNB? We have customers that certainly believe in the use of blankets, customers that uh, obviously feel differently. We basically supply them for the folks that do believe in them. I do believe they are a good tool. They use, you know, in the right way. They're very effective. Would I say you should put a winter blanket on your horse and leave it on all year long and never pull it off and never look under it? I, I think that would be a, a really big mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, for somebody who wants to use it on an occasion, I think that works out fine. You know, if rain solid for three days and then it turns off to you know six degrees of an evening and you got an older horse that's out there and and they're shivering you can put a blanket on them and within a few hours usually it'll dry them up and and they can get their temperature back up and and they'll be doing good so i think they have a purpose and a tool a good tool that can be used but like any tool i think they can be misused as well sure absolutely well, thank you very much for, for taking time out to come on and and just contribute this with us today. For anybody who would like to speak with you further or get your advice on either items they can use to take care of their horses under these conditions or anything else horse-related, can they contact you through DNB Supply? Yes, absolutely. Yep, they can call the main office here at 459-7446 phone number. We'll help them to the best of our ability. And if it needs to go beyond our ability, we can send them to resources with folks who would would be able to handle the questions they would have. All right. Well, that's great. And thank you so much for coming on and contributing this today. Thank you for your time. Thank you all for joining us today. And here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald. <laughs>